Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in. Your shoes are welcome to be dropped by the front door here. We got a beautiful living room table where you can uh, drop some brownies or whatever treats you brought into the house here today. Come on into the living room. Sit on down by the fireside because today we're going to be talking professional wrestling. And most importantly, we're going to be talking about SummerSlam here today. The big show this Saturday It's our very good friend, former 20-year-plus WWE veteran referee, Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy. Thank you so much for taking the time here today. No, always a pleasure, buddy. Good catch, catching up with you, and especially this time of year, SummerSlam. Oh man, yeah, this is this is a this is a big show, right? SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. It's become second to uh, well, it used to be the Big Four, right? right? And I feel like it's kind of expanded. Money in the Bank is kind of like a Big Five now, mm-hmm. but SummerSlam they always go big. They always go out. They they want to make sure that this one's one to remember. It almost feels like SummerSlam. You know, obviously WrestleMania is the the event of the year. But it almost feels like SummerSlam is, you know, they call it the big four, but, uh, you know, quote unquote, number two, so to speak. It kind of feels that way. You know, a lot of people might can argue Rumble because Rumble is the precursor to WrestleMania setting up, you know, whoever wins the Rumble gets the shot, blah, blah, blah. blah. But at the same time, you go back over the history of, of, of SummerSlam, it just feels like SummerSlam is the number two show of the year. Oh, yeah, 100%. And this year, you know, it's going to be, you know, I got a lot of thoughts on SummerSlam we'll get to later. But they got some big they got some big marquee matches uh, planned this year. They got a couple glaring omissions that I'd like to bring up when we get to it. So mm-hmm. something to think about here as we get rolling. Um, but before we get into SummerSlam talk, we got a couple other big news stories to drop just this morning. I'm going to get uh, Jimmy's take on. By the way, we're recording this a little bit earlier than usual because I am, as you're listening to this, maybe on an airplane on my way to Detroit. I will be in Detroit for SummerSlam weekend. So if you see me, come say hi. But if you're not there in person, just keep your eyes glued to House of Wrestling. We're going to have tons of coverage all weekend long, on-site coverage, lots of talks with talent, that kind of deal. Um, but if you come here every Tuesday and Thursday to see House of Wrestling, you can only watch us in one way, in one per and way, in a, in a video form in only one place, and that is Premier Streaming Network. Head over to Premier Streaming Network Tuesday, Thursday, noon Eastern to catch brand new episodes of House of Wrestling. Me, a cavalcade of guests, always chatting about the top stories of the day, previewing big shows, that sort of thing. And here today on the show, in video form, later on, you're going to see and hear from Shayna Baszler. This is my final interview from the Money in the Bank media junket. I'm not even going to lie, it's wildly dated. A, a couple hours after Shayna did this talk with me, and we were talking, oh, it's all about the tag t- title match, you and Ronda Rousey. Then she like turned on Ronda. So I don't even know if this is usable content, but I have it and we're going to air it. And and maybe Jimmy and I will talk about it at the end. We'll see. Um, and if you uh, like this show in video form, you're going to love us in audio form. Go check out the House of Wrestling podcast feed. You can find the full audio from all the shows we do here and all the interviews I do, like the Inside the Ropes interviews that I had with Kevin Sullivan and Matt Raywalt, uh, better known as Aiden English. All of that over on the House of Wrestling podcast feed right now. All right. Well, hey, Jimmy. We got some uh, big news here, like I said this morning. Two big big news items here that I wanted to get your take on before we start talking all things SummerSlam. First of all, WWE out with their Q2 earnings report uh, for 2023. A lot of great numbers. This is They did over $410 million in quarterly revenue. That is the most revenue the company has ever seen. 26% increase in SmackDown viewership, 19% increase in Raw viewership. They're doing banging business at the moment jimmy that's that's really the the big top line takeaway from the q2 report yeah it's amazing because everybody's talking about you know they look at the television numbers and they think back to the old days oh when raw was doing these numbers and those numbers and today's numbers they don't seem to match up to those numbers but at the end of the day it is the wrestling business and it's all about dollars and cents and like you said they're doing banging business right now the wwe especially and it's showing that is is this a boom period? You could make that argument that it is booming again, despite what some people might argue are uh, quote unquote not the same numbers they used to get back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? But but again, those quarterly reports are accurate. They can't lie. <laughs> they yeah, have I, to be. You know, I had I had Muscle Man Malcolm on on Tuesdays, an upcoming uh, up and coming pro wrestling journalist type. 24 years old, Jimmy, and I've never felt older talking to one of my contemporaries, first of all. But he was telling me that, like, this period to him right now feels like his Attitude Era. You know, like, he goes back and he says he watches the Attitude Era and Monday Night Wars as research so that he can know what that period was like, right? But for him, this is his Attitude Era, and that, I think, that says it all, right? And I think... When you talk to more young people who are digesting the show, maybe not necessarily on traditional uh, cable or broadcast television, they're finding it through TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and all these other mediums right now where you don't have to sit and watch the whole thing. I I know that those numbers were really big back in the day, Attitude Era-wise, for a lot of different reasons, Mm. but I think they're just as big now. You just kind of got to look at the Rubik's Cube from a different angle, if that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And it's interesting that he says that this is, he feels like his attitude era because the attitude era was primarily based on stories, characters Mm -hmm. that people gravitated to. And that's what we're seeing right now. And and it's not a knock on any other promotion out there that, that seems to focus more on in ring, you know, matches and, 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 you know, five-star quality matches, which are important. You want to see those as well. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But, what draws in the bigger audience is that story that just gravitates and gets people going, Oh, that's interesting. I want to see what happens next. And then they tune in to find out what happens next. They buy into characters. They buy into stories that make sense, you know, and that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing some great stories, especially with the bloodline. Now judgment day is doing some good stuff Uh, across the board. It seems like WWE is concentrating on some good stories there backing it up with good matches as well. But the stories are what's drawing in that audience, in my opinion. Yeah, well, the other story coming out of this morning, aside from the huge uh, news about all the big business WWE is doing, aside from their uh, aside from their revenue report, they also had to release a 10Q filing that they did with the Security and Exchange Commissions. Um, and in that filing, deep down in it, we, me and uh, I think I was talking to Brandon Thurston for WrestleNomics. We were DMing here. As we were listening to a live call at 730 this morning. We didn't even know that this had been put in there until somebody asked about it on the call. And then we both went nuts trying to figure out what was happening here. So buried in this 10Q filing, they are addressing the legal issues that are still stemming from the Vince McMahon hush money payments and in- inquiries from the SEC about how those monies were handled and did this uh, disrupt... Uh, you know, WWE it, did this cover up business that WWE investors should have known about because of how, how it would have affected the business, the, the way that this money was spent. That's a very kind of very short way to say why Vince is under investigation right now. So with that said, according to this document, on July 17th, federal agents executed a search warrant on Vince McMahon and served him with a federal grand jury subpoena. Now, that all sounds very much like what Donald Trump is going through right now. And I had a couple people hit me up saying, did Vince somehow get tied up in this Trump thing? I don't believe that's the case based off of how I read the filing this morning and the way that WWE is framing what happened here with Vince McMahon. It definitely appears that the SEC is investigating how that money was used uh, in hush money, hush money payments. Um, but after that, after that news comes out, uh, Russell votes was the first to put out an internal statement that Vince McMahon apparently gave to uh, employees in the WWE. And the statement reads, in 2022, WWE formed a special committee to review allegations of misconduct against me. That review was concluded in November 2022, following an extensive investigation. Throughout this experience, I have always denied any intentional wrongdoing and continue to do so. I am confident that the government's investigation will be resolved without any findings or wrongdoing. I am for I am focused on completing the recovery process from my recent spinal surgery and on closing our transaction with Endeavor, which will create one of the preeminent global sports and entertainment brands. Yeah, this went down on the 17th. He went in for spinal surgery on July 21st. And now is being uh, on the call. They asked everybody to give Vince his privacy as he's kind of dealing with, I guess, mm-hmm. recovery and in this whole thing as well. So obviously not great news, not completely unexpected. Wall Street Journal had said that the feds were uh, looking into Vince, but definitely an escalation when you've got the feds 
executing a search warrant and issuing you a federal grand jury subpoena, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds very serious. And, and I, I find the wording of Vince's statement very interesting as well, where he says, I have always denied any intentional wrongdoing. The it, adding that word intentional just it, it adds fodder to the fire. If you, you know what I mean, adds fuel to the fire, because now it, people go, why would he say uh, intentional wrongdoing? He denies it, you know, and, and and there's people out there who want to attack Vince McMahon anyway. Yeah. Let's put it that way. You know, and I don't want to see anybody get attacked uh, wrongfully. Right. But, and I hate to sound like the fence sitting guy. Well, let's wait and see what this investigation brings out. But, you know, I, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait and see what these investigations bring out because I don't want to uh, claim that I know anything or there's this and that. And, you know, it, it, it's Vince doing being Vince. Basically, and he, like you said, he's gone through this surgery on his spine, and, and knowing Vince, he's, he's he's probably not showing the pain at all because I was there the night he tore both quads and made it to the back on his own. Right, and, and you know the man is tougher than you believe. But anyways, I, I I will again, I will take a wait and see attitude, see what this brings out. It's probably going to take some time and some investigation to get to where they want to go, but. Uh, it's funny that you brought up the comparison with Donald Trump. It's almost like Vince McMahon is kind of the Donald Trump of pro wrestling. Right now. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I heard it. I read it. I, I had people immediately hit me up because nobody really quite knew what this meant. And some people seem to think that he got tied up. But the more I've read about it, the more I've asked around about it. I, I do definitely think this is directly tied to an SEC investigation into the use of those funds for those hush money payments. And, you, you know, you're right. We'll wait. We'll see where it goes. Uh, but definitely not great news for Vince McMahon. And that word intentional also really stood out to me, Jimmy, because as Donald Trump is finding out right now, even like you can't claim ignorance in a court of law. If you've committed a crime, you've committed a crime. And whether you did it intentionally or not is not always the best defense in those situations. So Right. It's like it's like somebody behind the wheel of a car. If they accidentally hit someone, you know what I mean? I didn't intentionally mean to hit him. It was unintentional, but at the same time, you're responsible for being in control of your motor vehicle. Yeah. I didn't, that makes any kind of sense. I, I didn't know it would be wrong to hide these $12, $14 million in hush money, money payments without telling anybody about it, reporting <laughs> it to the SEC. You have to report that to the SEC? What? I didn't know that. I didn't know. I thought that you can kayfabe that stuff, brother. <laughs> I paid him off in Okada bucks. Does that count? No? <laughs> oh, I, no. Yeah, in JBL uh Bills. I remember the, the old uh, JBL. Anyways, I have one of those somewhere. I wish I could find it. I got my Okada bucks right over here. So anyway, um, well, we brought up earlier uh, the boom period that WWE appears to be in right now mm-hmm. and how Malcolm made that comment about how this feels like his attitude era uh, on top of the storytelling, which was, you know, again, kind of somewhat similar to what we're seeing now with the bloodline and other and other things. Um, you also had this other entity pushing WWE to do the best work that they could do, and that was WCW at the time. On the other side of the coin right now, we have AEW, and a big lingering question uh, hanging over AEW, especially since what happened last year at All In or All Out with CM Punk's media scrum, is are the elite going to stick around if this guy is still there and there is still bad blood between them? Well, now we know our answer because Sports Illustrated reported earlier this morning that Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Hangman Adam Page have all signed multi-year AEW contract extensions. They're going to retain their roles as uh, executive vice presidents of the company. And Fightful is saying that at least one of these deals uh, is for four years. We're not sure if they're all for four years. Um, But beyond the actual contracts, now that they are settled in, it looks like there is some movement towards a Young Bucks FTR um, uh, program getting restarted again. But still no word on a possible... CM Punk versus the Elite Feud, which I'm still very much not sold on. But man, are they built? If they're, they feel like they are building to this feud, even if it is never going to happen at this point. So no, yeah, you talk about money. That's a money feud, especially for that organization. Because one of the things about AEW, and this isn't meant as a shot to them, it's just you know from my perspective, they're not growing their audience right now. They're doing well. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, this business is about trying to grow your audience. And they have hit their stride right now with hitting, uh, you know, the the diehard hardcore fans that have bought into their product. But their numbers are pretty much leveled out. They need to grow their audience. And when you have a name like CM Punk, who's recognizable outside of that hardcore audience, you have to take advantage of it. You have to take advantage of some of those names that are out there. You know, obviously, the Bucks are a big name within the wrestling community. 
you know, uh, Kenny Omega is well known within the wrestling community, but outside to that broader audience, uh, is there such a thing as a casual fan anymore? If there is, those are the, that's the audience you got to try and dry in. You got to do something about it. And as far as uh, them signing their multi-year deal and still remaining executive vice presidents, if I'm not mistaken as well. Yes. Yep. That was included. Yeah. Yeah. Now they have to be businessmen. They have to be professional and they can't let personal issues dictate their direction. And they have to see that there is potential big money in a possible feud with rivalry, whatever you want to call it, with CM Punk. Yep, your lips to God's ears, Jimmy. You know, one would hope that sitting in the position they are with the EVP titles and seeing the big bag of money on the in the horizon, you'd want to do it. I, I last I checked in with this situation, it was still pretty untenable, but things can change, right? The I will I will say that like there there's little stuff still like what punk notes he always makes his towns like this past saturday night it definitely seemed like a little shot at the bucks and the elite for not showing up the wednesday after blood and guts um bringing colt cabana back on being the elite this past week i don't really know was uh, gonna do anybody any favors there so i still seem a little skeptical on the situation but we'll see uh, uh, the program that they're the, the story they're telling on tv there's like levels to it. Like there's the very good storytelling. I feel like that's going on on collision, but there's still this kind of underlying tension that I don't know that anybody has still stopped looking away from yet. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, not, I, to, not, not to cut you off here, but it just no. feels like, like you said, it feels like collision is a different show from, from the Wednesday night dynamite show, different, yeah. different pacing, different feel, different everything. It to me, it, and I've said this, I don't know to how many people before, but on Wednesday nights, it feels like they're trying to cram 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10 pound bag. Yeah, I think that Saturday night show is paced a lot better and, and, and gives the audience time to digest what they're seeing as opposed to, oh, look what we just saw. But now something else is right on top of it and then something else right on top of it. You know, I, I think the, I think the backstage vignettes on collision are a little more polished as well. Like sometimes <laughs> I watch stuff on Dynamite and I'm like, did they just take the first take? <laughs> did they just, you know, did they just where we got to go? We just did the, the one thing <laughs> real quick. Uh, right. I, I I enjoy collision vignettes a little bit more as well. Um, it, it's I will say this: I think that it has worked out a lot better for AEW than anticipated with having these two mm-hmm. very different shows. Um, we'll see what happens this Saturday night. This is going to be CM Punk and Ricky Starks for the real AEW World Championship going up against SummerSlam, which we're just about to talk to. I you talk about trying to grow your brand, Collision. You know, they haven't done better than they did the first week, but this past week was the second best week they've done. And so while there is that traditional dip for the second episode, they do seem to be bringing people along for the ride on Saturdays. I'm, I'm very interested to see how they hold up against a major WWE premium live event this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. And and yes, I get that people there are different ways to digest programming. You know, they could off actually watch it later on and watch it the next day, whatever the case may be. It's easy to do now with today's technology, but at the same time, for me, it loses something when you don't watch it as it's happening. That's just me. I'm one of the, uh, yes, call me old school, get off my lawn, the whole bit, you know, but at the same time, it's like having to watch the Super Bowl the next day. Yeah. I mean, Super Bowl, you got to watch live, but there's also like all the other games throughout the season, right? You're right. watching all those games live as well. You need to watch the yeah. whole season live. Right. Well, the hard part is not getting the spoilers ahead of time. That's the thing because everybody's talking about it afterwards. So. Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, there is definitely a magic to watching it live. Um, Well, one last item here before we get to SummerSlam. This one came from Fightful. Apparently, there is interest on AEW's end about bringing in Rob Van Dam for either AEW All-In or All-Out for a match against FTW champion Jack Perry, who uh, was last confronted by Jerry Lynn and seems to have ignited some kind of war with the ECW alumni. Um, So, Jack Perry, RVD, how would you feel about RVD uh, coming into the AEW fold? I I kind of I, I don't mind it. I think it's a, a nice little story being told where you know Jack Perry facing uh, for f- former ECW uh, you know major talents like you you got a Jerry Lynn then you got an RVD maybe he goes down to Dreamer eventually I know Dreamer is associated with uh, Impact Wrestling but they you know I, I could see them crossing over and and maybe it does lead to something like a a bully or a Bubba. Coming over, can you imagine the match between Jack Perry and and, and you know? I, I can imagine the funeral six days later when Jack oh Perry. <laughs> I can, I can. Yeah, because it's just too bad that Taz can't get back in the ring because that 
it That's does what... feel like this should culminate with Taz and Jack for that FTW title, doesn't it? Absolutely, nah. it should. It feels. It very much feels that way. It just. My understanding is that Taz cannot compete in ring, so that's, no. That's hey, I, Hook will get it back, I think, in the end. I think Hook will mm-hmm. be the one to have the ECW guys rally around him, and you'll get this belt back. At least I would hope. You know, that's how right. it, that's how it maps out to me. So no, I hear you. I hear you, and I agree. Um, all right. Well, all the news out of the way, and man, mm-hmm. what a morning it was for news. Now we're going to talk about the thing I actually told Jimmy we were going to talk about here today, which <laughs> is SummerSlam and SummerSlam. Before we get into the matches here, I did tease up top. There is a glaring omission for me, and that is tag team wrestling. There is not one single tag team match on this card, Jimmy. None. Well, you you know what? I didn't notice that until you brought it up. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, because there is one match that has technically a tag team wrestler in it, and it's a major match in having Jey Uso. That's but what I'm same, saying, right? You know, I guess, you know, you have Judgment Day, you have the tag champs. I, I guess uh, KO is on the shelf for a little bit, so maybe that's right. why they're not having a title match and so Correct. forth. But but still, it, 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 it almost feels like it highlights that tag team wrestling is taking a bit of a backseat and needs to, we need to get more tag teams visible and people invested in them. God, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because at WrestleMania, when I infamously asked about the Endeavor sale, um, before that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were taking questions from the press and they didn't call on me, but the question I wanted to ask Zayn and Kevin Owens shortly after they won the titles on night one was how do you feel about two single stars holding the tag titles at a time when there's a big discussion about the legitimacy of tag team wrestling, of pushing the tag team division, of pushing tag teams, right? And mm-hmm. I wish I'd have got to ask that question because week by week, since they've won these titles, you know, you'll see Sammy in a singles match or KO kind of mix it up with somebody, or they'll have a six man where a Matt Riddle gets pulled in. But it doesn't feel like the Street Profits, Viking Raiders, really the mm-hmm. general tag team division have been really elevated much at all by the KO Sami Zayn reign. And it just it, it feels like, yeah, the tag teams are back to just kind of being two singles wrestlers, even in the case of the Usos who have been busted up into individuals these days. Right. You know? and, you, and you mentioned you mentioned the Profits and you mentioned, uh, you know, the Vikings and, and you even have Alpha Academy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and. None of, none of those teams even mention in any kind of promos that we're going after the tag team championships. It's nope. almost like, hey, we're here. Check us out. And that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want to point the finger directly at Vince, but the timing is interesting. You know, the Endeavor deal gets announced uh, uh, at night two of WrestleMania. Vince is in the chair at Gorilla, the Raw after. And here we are. Uh, four or five months into the return of Vince McMahon and the tag team division, which Vince himself has never been particularly big on pushing for, it appears like financial reasons because it costs too much to book two guys or whatever he says. But whatever the reason may be, we have seen a very quick decline in the tag. And the same goes for the women's tag team division. You know, you saw the women's tag team lose to Charlotte and Bianca this past Friday night on SmackDown. It was wild. Yeah, it's uh, again, it, the tag team division needs some building up. You can build stars, but it's going to take time to rebuild that division. And uh, whether you have to go down to NXT to help bring elevate some talent from there to do it, whatever the case may be, it, it something needs to be done. Let's put it that way. Well, and the thing the thing that's the, the thing that disheartens me about the tag team thing is everybody, you've all heard it. We've all heard it 10 million times. Wrestling is an ice cream shop, right? Everybody's got their favorite scoop. Tag team wrestling mixes up the card in a way where, like, maybe if you don't even, like, love tag team wrestling, you've seen a certain set of singles matches. The energy and the stories you could tell in a tag match really break up the flow of a pro wrestling show. And I'm getting very nuanced and nerdy with this. But that's why I really like tag team wrestling. I'm kind of sad to see it's not here. Because when you do look at over at AEW, and you, especially over at Collision, man, FTR and Bullet Club Gold, those guys, they drew. They 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 were they are draws. They brought more eyeballs to that product. They got a lot of very positive reviews, and they showed that there is a space to do tag team wrestling in this day and age and make it work and make it make it a draw. So I do think AEW has the edge on WWE in that department at the moment. Yeah, and again, it's all in how they are presented. They are presented as a big deal. 
when you see FDR, they look like a big deal. They, the way the, everything from the entrance to what they come out and they say and they have it. You know what I mean? Perception is reality. Let's put it that way. And if you're perceived to be a big deal, then the audience will take you as a big deal. All right. Well, um, I think a lot of our uh, tag teams are going to be in this first match we'll talk about. We don't need to spend much time because I don't think there's any announced participants in it, but they're going to be doing a SummerSlam Battle Royal. So anybody scream in need of a Battle Royal win to you, Jimmy? Well, like you said, it almost feels like let's get uh, a bunch of talent on this card. And what's the easiest way to do it is in a Battle Royal. And there's really nothing at stake here in the Battle Royal other than bragging rights of being the SummerSlam Battle Royal winner. Because, you know, you can't promise a title shot because that's the whole gimmick with the Royal Rumble. So so it's a, you can't really do that. It kind of steals from that. But if you're talking about one talent that screams, uh, and I know a lot of people are saying this, L.A. Knight. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much further can you go than that? You know, he's the guy right now that seems to be hotter than a pistol. The crowd is really into this guy. Um, either that or he gets he's the last one eliminated to get some massive heat on somebody. I think that's probably more likely. I, I think because, you know, again, you look back on the Brian or the Daniel Bryans and the Ray Mysterios and they had to lose and be booked in a position to look like they've been kind of not pushed the way other talents have in order to get that organic reaction from the fans. Right. Mm-hmm. And when L.A. Knight does get that big win. It's going to be meaningful. I don't know if the SummerSlam Battle Royal is the place for that. I think you're right. I would rather see a heel pitch him. I, I know he doesn't need the extra heat, can, but you mentioned a Dom Mysterio. Can you imagine if Dom Mysterio was the one to eliminate L.A. Knight? be great. I'm all about it, right? Uh, Send L.A. Uh, Knight back down to NXT. They could have a match for the North American Championship. You know, mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. But L.A. Knight, I think, would definitely be considered the probably the big right. – the big potential winner there. Now mm-hmm. we'll move on to this MMA rules match. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler. I'm particularly excited about this match. I think it's going to be a very hard-hitting affair. I think Shayna and Ronda are hungry to try to steal the show, and I want to see if they can do it. Yeah, absolutely, especially because uh, when we saw that video package uh, on Monday Night's Raw, you you almost saw a different fire inside of Ronda. She seemed enthused. She seemed interested. She seemed like she wants to help her friend Get over, you know, the rumors are out there that she's on her way out and whatever the case may be. And maybe this is her wanting to prove to everybody that she does belong. She always did belong. And she could do the right thing from a business standpoint and help get her friend over. So everything is pointing to Shayna Baszler, in my opinion, going over in this one. But can you imagine if she's if Rhonda has one more match left in her? She goes over somehow in this one and then they, you know, culminate somewhere down the road. But. Uh, that being said, that's me being wishful thinking. I really do think that Shayna Baszler does come out on top of this. One. I hope so. All signs point to Ronda Rousey making her friend on the way out the door, and mm-hmm. I sincerely hope it happens. Shayna Baszler has never looked better uh, in her entire WWE run than this moment. And watching Ronda Rousey play the heel right now, I just wish we'd have got it earlier. You know, like there was that period where she was trying to be a babyface, and the fans were booing her, and they just were not into it. Very much like what happened with Gable Steveson at Great American Bash over the weekend, you know, and I would have just flipped it. Right. Like, I think if she'd have been a heel earlier, I think the fans would have probably come around and accepted her more uh, as a baby face quicker. Um, mm-hmm. And before before we got to this, because watching her play a heel right now, like a pure heel, like we've never really seen her be this kind of really bad heel. Mm-hmm. I, I like this side of Ronda a lot more. I'm kind of sad that this is we're going to get it at the very end if this is the very end kind of thing. No, I understand that, and, and, and it makes a lot of sense what you said, but at the, like you said, this feels like it's more natural coming out of her. Before, it, it, it felt like she was playing babyface wrestler. Yeah. Now, this feels a little more natural, and when it feels a little more natural, and I'm going to get into this a little later with another superstar we're going to talk about in a match. Oh, boy. But uh, when, when it sounds natural, it comes across, and people get invested, and I think people are now invested in this Ronda Rousey. I agree, and I think people want to see Shane Baszler beat her up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and and they're doing an MMA rules match. I kind of hope they bring in the fight pit or lion's den or whatever they're calling it. And a special guest referee would help this thing big time. Bring in a big John McCarthy or, or Herb Dean. Oh, I, that's a great I, idea. Why not? I yeah. think I think it would add so much more flavor to this one, especially with the now the relationship with the, 
the ownership. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, bringing UFC that that is a way you could tie into you bringing a UFC referee to work at a WWE event. I just think Dana White is so afraid of intertwining these things and getting mm-hmm. even the slightest stench of oh, you guys are in the fake fight business now, eh, Dana? I don't uh, think he. I don't think he wants that at all. I don't no, think he want. You know. No, I get what Dana. I get Dana's point of view, but at the same time, this is again. It adds to the the flavor of this match, and I, I get it's from an entertainment standpoint. And I, I, you would hope that the audience out there can distinguish between the two. You know, it would be great is Ken Shamrock. Oh, hmm. okay. Like Ken, Ken knows how this business works. Like right. I don't know that I don't know that Big John McCarthy would get in there and know how to call a pro wrestling MMA fight. But but Ken Ken would right or Dan yeah. the Beast Severin. Dan Severin would be oh. great at that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it almost feels like this does need a special guest referee. Um. Well, me. WWE Intercontinental Championship is going to be on the line. Gunther looking to extend his reign. He's only like a. Like not, he's not too far off from breaking Honky Tonk's record at this point. Uh, he'll have Ludwig Kaiser, Giovanni Vinci by his side as he takes on Drew McIntyre. You know, if anybody's going to take it off Guther, Drew's red hot right now. I, 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 I'm a coin flip on this one. How do you think that this one, you know, plays out? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little uh, column A and a little column B here too. But if we're, they've been teasing tension in Imperium, and first it was Kaiser, and Kaiser's in the good graces once again right. after Monday night. But still, there was a little bit of a thing between Gunther and Vinci mm-hmm. as well. So I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be ringside for this one. And oh, yeah. They're listed. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe we see a little interference backfire costing Gunther the match from Vinci. And there, you know, is where we have our title switch because – Yes, they're playing off that whole thing. We're going to talk about Roman's long title reign as well. Right. But it almost feels like they're kind of mirroring that with the the uh, Gunther IC title reign coming up on the Honky Tonk Man's reign. So if he pr- surpasses that, you know, I get it. it. It it makes it a big deal. But at the same time, you don't want too many superstars surpassing legendary title reigns and stuff like that at the same time. Let's put it that way. So if there is a way to get it off, and maybe that's one way you can do it. I just don't see Drew losing. He's he just comes across as too big of a star. You know, there's the reports that he's in contract negotiation, about to begin his next round of contract negotiations. Hunter said that they want to keep him. Right. I I just I don't know how you beat him. You know, yeah. I think you've given me a couple good reasons to think that Gunther could lose, which would be surprising considering you know the honky tonk record or whatever. But mm-hmm. I just don't know how you beat Drew. I don't yeah. see it. No, and, and, you know, the easy way out is obviously the interference with the Imperium, but that's just too, too um, cliche, for lack of a better term, you know, like you said, Drew is red hot right now. And, you know, a nice, a nice run from a baby face with the Intercontinental Championship could be what the, uh, the doctor ordered right now. Um, we, uh, we also are going to get Ricochet versus Logan Paul. Um, this has been nothing but memes building up to it. Some people love this feud. Some people hate this feud. I, I personally, much like Shayna and Rhonda, I think this is the best Ricochet's ever looked in the company. I don't think he's ever appeared more high profile. Um, I don't think he beats Logan Paul, not after way Logan Paul lost at WrestleMania, but I think it'll be a fun match. And again, I think, Ricochet has been elevated by working with Logan in this situation. No, he definitely has been, and and, and he's been uh, better on the microphone, especially that which is a, a, an area I thought that he needed work in. But he, I, I see him improving there as well, leading up to this match. And this is a high profile match for him. And I know people are saying, "Well, it's Logan Paul. He's you know he's the outsider," and that's where the heat is for him, at least, anyways, for for wrestling fans. You know, he's getting good heat, and you heard the pop that Ricochet got on Monday night which is pretty good. So there is interest in this match and, and there's no doubt that these guys are going to try and steal the show. That's for sure. I don't see Ricochet winning this match at this time, unfortunately, but at the same time, there is a way for him to get over without going over. Uh, my good friend, uh, Justin Labar uh, mentioned that wouldn't it be cool if they can get permission to live stream this match on Logan Paul's cell phone you know, like set it up somehow on one of the turnbuckles and just show it live on his uh, social media platforms. Hey, 
and I'm, I think we're all open to anything at this point when it comes to just experimenting with social media. I don't know that WWE wants to give away one of their biggest marquee matches for free, um, but it's an interesting thought. But a guy who's got what twenty million followers? <laughs> it'd be a big hey, look, it'd be a big hit. <laughs> Yeah. And like we and like we said earlier, right? Like traditional cable and broadcast is not the way that you're fine. Like you want to expand your audience. Mm-hmm. You want to give people a little sample of something that may bring them in. Like how do you bring in casuals? Right. Maybe it is. Maybe you let Logan Paul live stream the whole thing. Who knows? There you go. Yeah, it's a thought at least. Anyways, uh, triple threat for the WWE Women's Championship. Oscar's defending against Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. Uh, Charlotte, there is a look in her eyes these days where she's just hungry. I mean, she's always been, like, very driven to be the best and on top, but there's an intensity about her right now. And, you know, we've said it for a couple matches here already about how, like, you know, it could steal the show or whatever, but these are three women that also want to go out there and, I think, put on a clinic and really, you know, show what the women could do. I think this is the only – well, outside the MMA rules match, yeah, this is the, this is the only second women's match on the whole card. Right, and and like you said, there's three women that can go. Oh, yeah. And three women that the audience is invested in. And, you know, they got this, that, that backstory with, with Charlotte and her, her, how many championships has she won so far? I think far? 16. 16, Boy, are we at? That, that number sounds familiar, doesn't it? I think it? she's yeah. hit 16, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the famous father has 16 there uh, as well. So does she surpass her dad? I don't think it's going to happen here. This three-way is perfectly set up for her to not win the match, but also not lose the match. Yes. If that makes sense. And I think Oscar retains in this one. I don't think she's ready to, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of short title reigns and I think it still hasn't been long enough for Oscar as women's champion. So I think it's time. There's a way to get through this where Charlotte maybe causes all the damage to Bianca and, you know, Oscar picks, picks the, uh, picks up the pieces, so to speak. Sure. I, I just I, I think Charlotte and Bianca continues past SummerSlam, right? Like, I think you're right. Oscar somehow picks up the win here and rolls into feuding with somebody else. But especially based off of the interactions on SmackDown in that tag title match where there was miscommunication and whatever. I, I think there's more on the other side for these two uh, beyond this triple threat match. That's just how it feels to yeah. me. No, I totally agree. I, I absolutely agree with that. The Workers' Championship, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, is going to be on the line. Seth freaking Rollins taking on Finn Balor. You know, I I would have said no way Finn has this belt a month ago, but the Judgment Day is so hot right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're they're killing it on NXT. You got Damian Priest in the wings with Money in the Bank. I, I kind of think Finn might have a chance. I don't know, but that's the beauty of this whole thing—the way they've set it up, and especially with Judgment Day, they're making you question because there are matches where people go into it and go, "No, nah, I can't see so and so winning," and I can't see so and so winning. You go into this one and go, hey, there is a possibility here that in a championship match, a WWE or World Heavyweight Championship match, that the challenger could come out as the new champion. And that's the beauty of this. You're not convinced. And especially, you know, a lot of fans out there who think they know, oh, I can see this and I know what's happening here. When you're questioning, that's the beauty of it. And I think Seth retains. This is my opinion. I think it's it's not time for him to lose the championship yet. But at the same time, we we have seen some dissension being teased in Judgment Day as well. Maybe something happens here that costs Finn the match, which makes him go a little bit uh, ballistic. I could see that. I could see that. There's definitely been some tension teased there with Finn and Judgment Day and everything like that. Um, I, I just think that it, Finn and Judgment Day have done such a good job that I think it becomes a question, right? The different, the thing about Seth and his title, and they're trying to differentiate it from Roman. If Roman's had this thing for a thousand days, the title's become so monopolized by one guy. I know you don't want to play hot potato with the title, and I don't think they would have done. I don't really consider it hot potato here with Seth and Finn because it's been a several months long program at this point. But I do think it differentiates this title from Roman's title if it does kind of get handed off within a couple months to somebody else. And it becomes one of those things where you know that this is a title that can change hands, unlike Roman's title. No, I hear what you're saying. But at the same time, maybe this is the right opportunity to do a hot potato situation where, you know, uh, let's say a Damian Priest assists in the finish of this match and Finn becomes your new champion. And then out of nowhere, Damian cashes in his money in the bank against now his former 
uh, boss of uh, Judgment Day, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest is your new champion. God damn! Because he's got he's got money written on him. It'd be so good. I'd love it. And the thing I like about it is Finn Balor's last uh, major world title reign lasted less than twenty four hours. What if this one lasted less than twenty four minutes? Wouldn't that oh, be something? Goodness. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um. So you're going with Rollins on this one, yeah? Yes, I'm going with Rollins on this one, but uh, you've got me questioning that as well. So. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Finn just so we have at least one match where we're on different sides of the coin. Okay. So. Then we get Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the third match in their trilogy. Will likely be the blow off of their program. I don't see Cody losing this. No, I can't either. And you know, I I know people say, yeah, well, in these days, you know, going into this. The match on 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 the weekend, Cody's been left lane a couple of weeks in a row, so that's a that's the the tall tale sign that uh, things will be different this Saturday night. But uh, in WWE world, that that has changed over the years. They don't give it away that that easily. But at the same time, you're talking about that hard times storyline that's going on. This is hard times for Cody Rhodes, and if you're going to continue that story. He has to get past Brock Lesnar. And like you said, I think this is the blow off match where uh, Cody ends up winning in some form or fashion. The only thing I didn't like was going into this on Monday night was the handshake situation. If Cody so, so PO'd with, with Brock, why would he enter the ring to shake his hand? You know, it's, it's like, you know, he's a gentleman to his, who is to, he's a gentleman to his own harm, right? Like he, he's too gentlemanly. He's a, and maybe, up, I guess. and maybe that's what happens on Saturday night. He puts that gentleman uh, attitude away and he becomes. Uh. Well, I, I think this has been just a great program. And I, I think that Brock will lose here, but I think it's been a great program for Brock's legacy mm-hmm. um, just because he has obviously had such a dominant run in WWE to see him coming in now. And he gets to pick and choose what he does by and large, but to see him, you know, see what's going on with Cody, know what he can do to help get Cody to the next level stick around past WrestleMania, work these intense kind of matches and go out on his sword, his mighty sword on his chest. I just think for his legacy, I think it's going to be a really good thing for Brock to do this. And I can imagine he may not be done with that. I think there may be a couple other talents that we could see Brock putting over like this in, in the coming years. No, he, you know, well, that's the one thing that Brock doesn't get a lot of credit for is being a good businessman in the wrestling business and knowing, knowing when it's the right time to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's what I think is really probably like most impressive about Brock's run is how he's learned the business as he's gone along, you know, really much learning it on the fly. And, you know, we talk about how Logan Paul and Ronda Rousey, when they felt the crowd kind of turning on them, kind of fought back on it. And, you know, maybe to the detriment cost them a little bit of time on where they wanted to get. Brock has always been very amenable to going with the flow. He'll face wherever they need to put him. And I think he's relaying some of that knowledge going forward to, to the, younger generations now with kind of his actions and what he's doing. So again, mm-hmm. I just very, I very much like the way Brock is doing business here. I think it'll be very good for Cody to pick up this big win. All Agreed. right. Lastly here, tribal combat for the undisputed WWE universal championship and recognition of tribal chief Roman reigns with Paul Heyman and Sola Sokoa will be taking on Jay Uso. What do you, what's your thoughts going into this one, Jimmy? I, I think this is going to be a great match. It's a great story going into it. The unfortunate thing is I don't see very many people out there seeing Jay Uso emerging from this match as your new cha- undisputed world heavyweight champion. And that's the only issue I have with this. And it's going to be a challenge for them to get m- myself and other fans believing that there is a possibility that this title could change hands, whether they tease something with Solo Sequoia, whether Jimmy Uso comes out and, you know, makes it, uh, turns on his brother, whatever the case may be. There's so many possibilities here because the story has been intriguing. I just don't feel that the story ends here with Jay Uso holding this, the, the two titles. Do you think that we see some Anawahi family members or Rikishi or anybody like that coming in? They've mentioned the tribal elders wanting mm-hmm. this to be done. That would be a beautiful scenario if you have, uh, let's say, uh, you know, the father come out, you, you have Rikishi come out, you have, uh, you have uh, uh, the Samoans, the wild Samoans, whoever the case may be, the, a lot of, all the family members that they can get to come out and have them sit in a section of the audience there where they're all sitting together. And, and uh, what a picture that would be. It uh, would uh, be. And, it, you know, I agree. I don't think that Jay is going to win. 
Uh, I don't. I think a lot of people are having a hard time buying into that. Kind of the same. Like when Sami Zayn, like people are really there for Sami Zayn. I don't know that they're there quite the same way for Jey Uso. And that may be kind of the rubber band effect because of guys like Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre and other people that were seemingly the heir apparent to taking down Roman Reigns. But if he does take down Jey Uso here in front of the whole family and whatever, I start to wonder, where do you go from here, right? Like, what's the next chapter after that? They've done a great job since WrestleMania of showing the kind of collapse of the bloodline, the infighting. Does Roman beating Jey put everybody back in line, right? Do we see the bloodline Mm -hmm. start to reform, start to become a more cohesive unit again? Who is on the horizon for Roman to feud against? on the other side of this, right? Right. Um, I think Logan Paul would have been fine, but they blew through that a year ago at the Saudi event, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd have to run it back. I don't know who else is like hyper over, I mean, LA Knight, you know? (laughs) Right. right? Well, you got to find somebody and it's got to build to it. You got to take your time and tell the story. You can't be just somebody, hey, we're going to thrust this person into the spotlight against Roman Reigns after. Maybe there's still some story elements to be told with, uh, you know, the Usos, because sure. obviously there's two of them. Maybe Solo plays a part in this some form or fashion because, you know, who does he end up siding with? Then you got, the, like you said, if you bring out the elders, the family elders, and maybe they hold court and say, hey, this has to be resolved because we are one family, whatever the case may be, and kind of, you know, guilt everybody into working together. Or yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? So there's lots of directions this story can go, and that's what's great about this. Yeah, and I've seen the the speculation running rampant that we could be getting some kind of Grayson Waller, Dwayne The Rock Johnson confrontation mm-hmm. at SummerSlam as well. And if The Rock's in the building and he does not get involved with this segment, I think it speaks volumes about the mm-hmm. possibility of ever getting a Rock and Roman Reigns match. If he shows up to put over Grayson Waller and does nothing for the Anawahi family on the other side mm-hmm. of the main event, that is a that's gonna be a big sign i don't know that that's i don't know how likely that'll be no i hear you i agree so all right hey with that we were talking about Shayna baszler and ronda rousey earlier here in their mma match so let's get to it here right now everybody i'm gonna throw up onto the screen right now and into your ear holes Uh, i apologize for the audio the nice audio did not sync with this so you're gonna get more kind of background noise with this than i'd prefer but whatever hey it's Shayna baszler it's me nick hausman it's from the wwe Money in the Bank Media Junket. It's Nick Hausman here, Money in the Bank Media Junket, and I am joined right now by Shayna Baszler. Shayna, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Now, you and Rhonda coming together, winning the tag title for the first time. I know you guys have talked a lot about wanting to do this in the past. Rolling into 2023, did you see this as something that was going to go down, or did this catch you off? Yeah, we've, we've seen this going down for 10 years. That's not, that's not like a fake thing we said on TV or something. This is a decade of us like manifesting this against all the odds thrown at us to keep us in in different paths we did it so yeah, it wasn't a surprise. It was, it was more like a fight. Sure. Well, and you two have a very distinct style, right? I mean, how do you feel like you and Ronda holding these titles right now helps to elevate the championships overall for the women's division? Well, I think the fact that um, this is the first pay-per-view, Money in the Bank, it makes Maybe getting back into a cage down the road at any point? 
We'll have to see. We gotta take. We gotta. We gotta defend these titles all over the place. Sure. If anyone in the UFC wants to take us tag team titles, see how we defend them there. We can do that too. All right, and there it is. That is my interview with Shayna Baszler and Jimmy. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. I had this awesome outline from Shayna Baszler. Oh, she's down to take the NXT titles to the UFC, and 24 hours later, her and Ronda are at odds, and the whole thing's out the window. So there you go. <laughs> and then, but the, but here's the thing too. And then they're bringing it into a cage, into the pit. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it was kind of like foreshadowing. I guess I don't know that that whole interview is so dated right now, but I hadn't done anything with it. I thought I'd at least get some mileage out of it. Um, but that is, you know, there it was me and Shayna Baszler. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, hey, I am going to uh, go to Detroit starting tomorrow. Like I said, I'll be there this weekend. Friday morning is the media junket before SummerSlam. I'll be getting lots of interview content. We'll be posting all those interviews over on our YouTube channel. We'll be running them here on the House of Wrestling podcast feed. And of course, we'll be doing a lot of coverage over at HouseOfWrestling.com, H-A-U-S of Wrestling.com. Be sure to keep your eyes peeled there for all of the uh, big stuff coming out of the weekend and our exclusive content. Um, Jimmy, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I want to uh, plug on all my social media uh, platforms that I do my riff and rant from Monday to Friday, where it's just a minute long. And again, these are little critiques not to tear down, but to help tighten some screws that need tightening, in my opinion, and hopefully elevate and not, not tear down. And also, you know, I do my podcasting, the Reffing It Up podcast with my good brother in stripes, uh, Brian Hebner, that drops every Wednesday. And this week we had Tasha Steele's on. It, it was a fun interview. We had a blast talking to her. And, of course, I do my usual coverages on uh, post-Raw and post-Dynamite with my good friend Justin Labar uh, and uh, others. And uh, I think we'll be doing it after S SummerSlam, too. Oh, yeah. there you go. Well, can, I, can, I, can I mention the other? Uh, I don't care. Yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah, no, it's the Wrestling Inc. website. Oh, open that forbidden door, Jimmy. Oh, Jesus. There you go. Oh, there you God. go. <laughs> I'll see you in the locker room. Don't kick oh. my dog. Um, <laughs> a little bit of AEW humor there for the end of the show. Go. All right, everybody. Hey, we had a good time here. Lots of laughs, lots of great insights. Please take whatever you want off the dining room table. I don't like any leftovers. Grab your shoes, grab your hat, grab your coat. Get on out the door. And remember, you're welcome back anytime. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.